Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Wonderful, thank good. you. Good. So, Lots of not stuff. quite like Ukraine. Uh, yeah. I'm glad I don't live in Ukraine. Yeah. But I worry maybe someday Ukraine will look like a here here. Yeah. But I'm still the optimist. I I don't think it's going to get that bad in the next week or two. <laughs> But if we continue to make mistakes, of course, things will deteriorate. And uh, it, over in uh, Russia and uh, Ukraine, certainly economic uh, systems are being uprooted and a lot of people are suffering. But those people who think this is only going to be in Ukraine and Russia, I think are mistaken because I think the economic turmoil is going to backfire a lot you know I, we're, we're we're nato and we cheer them on uh believing that uh you know we'll punish people and they'll do what we say and we have the weapons and 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 we we can take care of the whole thing but uh you know there's been talk just recently especially since uh, putin decided to uh you, you know arm the nuclear yeah. machinery so in case he needs to defend his country and this uh this has prompted people to get very frightened just like remember they they got frightened with saddam hussein yeah, yeah. attacking us with a nuclear weapon yeah uh, that's how fast that happened but then again uh, they thought uh, the end of the world came when uh the, there was a virus hit that turns out not to be much worse than uh you, you know the cold virus but the people do get frightened and i think it said like 60 some percent of people worry that it could be uh, a nuclear war and i guess the word could be is is legitimate it always could be the nukes have been around they've been dropped on civilized civilized cities but uh the um the odds of there being a nuclear exchange between russia and the united states uh, I think uh, very, very slim. I, I'm predicting that we're not going to see that. Uh, that. That's just hope that I'm right on that one. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean there won't be a lot of suffering and pain that goes on. Just think of all the how many people have died uh, since World War II in undeclared wars. You know, and a lot of people have suffered and they continue to suffer uh, because there are warring factions within countries and one country against another one but uh this uh this this is something that always could happen but you know it, i sort of look at it that uh there has to be a restraining hand we're, we're really not in the hands of it, it can't be that bad where that we're in the hands of president uh biden yeah. he's gonna he's gonna handle everything or or putin for that matter there seems like there's always people behind the scenes that uh, have more control than we realize even when even when they got rid of nixon there was a lot of control which i'm making the case for the deep state it's yeah. very very powerful and uh i i think that uh if if Biden got to the point where they really thought he was going off the handle, uh, uh, the deep state will realize that's a little little bit too much. But isn't it strange right now that that uh, both sides are talking about? You know, in the last week, there's been stories now that, uh, that uh, Putin's crazy. Yeah, and crazy. Biden, we wonder about him. So here we have two. This is scary stuff too. <laughs> this this hope my optimism. Uh, 
filters out there. <laughs> but here, here you have two leaders of uh, two major countries that have the most nuclear weapons. They could wipe the earth off, or wipe off the earth with with these nukes. And uh, we have two individuals like that. Goes to show that there's something uh, not quite uh, kosher you yeah. know, with our elective system. Because uh, I, I I think the numbers of hunt people who when they are looking at this objectively, I, I just don't think that uh, the 68% who worry about it are saying, oh, this looks like a good idea. Yeah. So, but that's that's one thing. So my, my first suggestion and uh, hope is that there will be no nuclear exchange and uh, let's just hope that works out, but then we can deal with all the other problems that we have. Yeah. Well, when we were talking about the show, we thought we wanted to talk a little bit about economics and the monetization of, uh, or the, uh, the weaponization of money and war. And we both at the same time hit the word uh, backfire. And so that's in the title, you know, will, will this backfire? Because there's so much enthusiasm among the people who not long ago were <laughs> telling you to put a mask on. But enthusiasm, we've got to strangle, we've got to put a stranglehold on their economy. We have to sanction everything that moves. We can't let any commerce uh, go around. And, you know, there, there's the idea that this could backfire. And actually, I was just reading this morning, Steve Cortez, I think he was an advisor to President Trump, but he has a good piece that came out today. And we can actually put up that first, that first clip if you, if you have it handy. It's called The Risks of Heating America's Warmongers. Uh, and I recommend the article, Steve Cortez. Uh, it's a very good and very interesting. But he talks about something, and I didn't realize this. You know, Russia is essentially cut off from banking except for a few venues that it has access to, one of them, part of them being they're still selling a lot of energy and oil to the U.S. and, and Western Europe. Um, but put, put up that next one if you can, because this is something I didn't know, which I found fascinating. Um, he, he, he points out, after all, even the despicable Nazi regime during World War II did not face this level of monetary attack. In fact, the Germans transacted internationally via the Bank of International Settlements, which remained neutral in a Switzerland which was then committed to that overarching principle. Then he says, today the Russians find no such financial harbor resulting in the recent absolute plunge in Russia's currency. And there's a chart that I didn't put it up, but the ruble obviously is completely tanked. But the final thing about what Cortez writes is that um, the, the sanctions and the, the attack on the Russian currency does nothing really to affect the oligarchs and Putin himself. Uh, it does affect the Russian people. Uh, the sanctions are on the backs of the Russian people. And he points out, you know, if Biden and the geniuses that run the EU really wanted to hurt the oligarchs and Putin, they would cut off energy purchases because that would hit them where they live. But of course, they can't and won't do that because that's too important. So they punish the people. You know, the um, dollars being used still and many, including myself, have predicted that the dollar is going to get weaker and weaker, and eventually there has to be monetary reform. But that doesn't seem to be that way now because uh, there's no substitute. The, if there is a decent substitute, there's going to be regulations. I think uh, whether gold is a substitute or whether it's crypto the substitute or another currency, the Russians and the Chinese coming together, the dollar is still riding high. But at the same time, gold is at its highest prices and crypto is being used. But governments are all powerful. Their main goal is to protect, uh, you know, the currencies and, and protect uh, their their control on the economy. So we would expect that to happen. 
But, you know, I started talking about the economy before COVID because that was when there were signs that the correction had to come. They had inflated too much. There was gross distortion, too much debt. And they were starting to move in the direction of raising interest rates and all in the conventional manner. But then uh, the decision was obviously made that, well, we're going to distract from that a little bit because we have to have another crisis. We don't want them concentrating on the Federal Reserve. They might want to do what Ron Paul wants. They might audit the Fed. That that would be terrible. So (laughs) we have to get them away from that. They did did this, and, and then all of a sudden they come up with COVID, which made the economy much worse. But now code code is fading away it wasn't nearly as bad as they protected that was supposed to be the nuclear weapon of uh, viruses and uh, right now still serious but it's it's not what it was said to be at the beginning so where are they now well they have to have something to uh, scare the people with so it's uh, people now are Oh, and it, it's terrible. It makes you think about how they uh, were scaring the people that Saddam Hussein was going to bomb us with a nuclear weapon. So they're talking about nu- nuclear weapons. and But the economy continues to struggle. It's going to get worse. There's going to be a lot more, you, you know, uh, backfiring on us. We're going to suffer because we live in an integrated world when you think about it, more so than ever before. You know, the food supplies... And it doesn't take much to break down the coordination of a market. How do they spread these goods around? You know, to me, it was always like a miracle that uh, things would happen. And I'd get fresh fruit from South America every single day. Yeah. But uh, that is starting starting to end. And I I was impressed with the statistics about, about uh, it was at one time assumed that uh, at least we were led to believe that it was America that grew the wheat and essentially controlled that. But it turns out right now that uh, if you put uh, the, the, the Russians and the Ukrainians produced a, a little bit more than everybody else. So that, that have a significance. So our sanctions, our, our attack on Russia right now, uh, maybe attack on the consumer here at home yeah. and add fuel to the fire of the inflation that's coming due to the Federal Reserve policy and the debt that we have run up. So it's, it really gets more complicated. But I think... Uh, you know, even in World War One and World War Two, those wars had less of the downside of a long-acting Federal Reserve Board uh-huh. that uh, prices go up. You know, there are uh, reasons where they put on uh, they put on rationing. They're talking about rationing again, and you say, "Well, it's the Russians doing it. The Russians are doing it." Well, we've tried to point out that uh, you you should look at it in in, uh, in in a matter of maybe it isn't just the Russians that are misbehaving. Maybe uh, NATO has precipitated some of this as well. But I think the economic calamity of this is very very serious, and uh, and, and a lot of people are going to suffer just another excuse for cracking down on the people another excuse that uh, I, I think they're going to uh, uh, ha- have that as a reason to have more surveillance and before you know it there'll be a cyber war going on which uh, they've already started so they won't be dropping nuclear bombs but there are some of those economic bombs that could be pretty devastating and be a lot worse than the average downturn that the Fed creates and, and the downturn that they created with COVID. Well, you know, when these things happen, when any of these crises happen, of course, most of the world goes hysterical and completely emotional. And if you don't buy into their emotional outrage or what have you, then somehow you're a bad guy. 
But what we wanted to do was to try to be a little bit dispassionate and look at some of the implications of what's happening. Uh, and here's one I think that I'm going to throw out to you, Dr. Paul, and, and see what you think. I think this is actually very important. Let's look at this next one, uh, this next clip. Uh, several people have reported this. This is, uh, he's actually a reporter, but there's, you can see plenty of it. Uh, it's just a picture. Uh, it says, Apple Pay and Google Pay no longer work on Moscow's metro system, leading to long queues as people fumble about for cash. So Apple and Google have turned off their payment systems in Russia as a punishment for the Russian leadership's military uh, attack on Ukraine, and the Russian people here are having a hard time getting into their metro. That is a weaponization of money. This news story is fascinating to me because it sort of contradicts some of the anticipations that there would be runaway inflation and would uh, be, you know, uh, checks and all this kind of thing. And that there's been a move on, a definite move. The government's wanting to uh, get rid of the cash and control the cash. There's efforts here, but it isn't working too well. And here there's now a reliance on cash and that people who had the cash did better than the one electronically, uh, you know, trying to carry out their activities. That's why closing down electronic connections, the Internet and all that is that is a big deal and uh and you can you think we have a big trouble with these uh uh trucks trying to get through and and haul things around yeah. what what happens if the electronic system and the internet system breaks down and uh you you have the uh, uh the uh, electrical grid having problem that that to me is a, a major major problem it's so unnecessary yeah. it's because of that the, there's a majority Majority of the people right now in the world misunderstand and uh, don't understand exactly how these crises develop. And they're a political crisis. They're not an economic crisis. We're not. We don't have an economic. We don't have a problem in Ukraine that we're involved in. I understand they use a a, a weapon that was developed in the United States to <laughs> shoot shoot those tanks. Yeah, you, yeah. you know Absolutely. that's that's a that's a one thing. But it's uh, it's to me a major event. And that is why I think it's so important if, if you say, well, uh, this is unnecessary. How could this have been prevented? Well, then that's a different story because there's nobody going to wave a wand tomorrow. And all of a sudden, uh, both sides says, oh, this is too much. This doesn't make any sense and walk away. It's much, much deeper than that. Yeah. Well, a couple more economic clips because this and this is from Steve Cortez's article. He included a tweet from Paul Sun, who is a reporter for the Washington Post of all places, and put this next one up because he makes a very important point that, that we're trying to make as well. And this is Washington Post guy. For those on this platform, being Twitter, giddy about the plummet of the ruble, a word of caution. The severity of this will create forces beyond everyone's control. It could get very scary and not have the outcome you suspect. That's, that's pretty important, I think. Because, as we said, the people caught up in the hysteria of we're, we're crushing the ruble, we're crushing the ruble. Here's a guy at the Washington Post even saying, this is going to have implications that you're not ready for. And that conversation wouldn't exist, you know, if the world had accepted the idea of commodity money and a gold standard. Because this is, this is manufactured by having a, the, fiat, uh, the fiat currencies. But one thing that has been undermined 
for the last several decades uh, has been just the principle of free trade. Free trade is a negative term now. People think, oh, that's, that is terrible. Yet in the time of Adam Smith, who, uh, you know, really introduced some of these ideas and, and in, in the last hundred years or so, the Austrian school has, you know, emphasized the importance of trade, how, how there's more peace in the world where there's free trade. And, uh, and yet in the last, especially two decades, all of a sudden the professors don't even then they talk about sanctions they say oh yeah we're going to use sanctions tariffs oh yeah that's okay yeah. and it used to be that most of the economists would say no that's not good and and most of them had you know even though they were using a, a fiat currency they were saying you have to be very very careful about the supply of money but nobody's careful with that so now we don't have anybody promoting sound money and uh, we don't have any anybody uh, saying that uh, we should follow the principles of free trade because we're doing the opposite just think of how how they're messing up this oil industry yeah. you, you know we we close down the oil here in this country then we demand that other people do something we decide that we can tell russia and germany whether they can have a pipeline yeah exactly the opposite of what they ought to be doing and here's some more of the implications of it and this put this next one on this is jordan Schachtel, who we discuss a lot on the show and he often has very good insights put this next one on because this is sort of the the end game of this. He says, the blocking of financial institution access to Russians is a trial run for what they intend to do to our domestic political opposition. Already happening in Canada and elsewhere, governments are not responsible arbiters over an economy. They will and should lose this capability. True, and as we saw in Canada, how shocking it was where someone who gave 20 bucks to the truckers when it was legal had their bank accounts seized and shut down they weren't able, just like that, yeah. Just like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a powerful weapon to control the economy. And I can still recall the days when the Soviets were in charge and talking to people who had come out of that region. And I said, how do they control people? What, what would they do? And they said, well, they don't have a soldier at everybody's house. They don't have to have to know every single thing that they do. And they don't have to have large prison camps for Russian citizens. What they do is they, if anybody is disobedient and they don't wear their mask, yeah. you know, if, if the mask that the government tells you have to wear, there's economic punishments. Yeah. You know, they put on the economic punishments. They take away their job. They take away your rent. They take away your food stamps and, and all these things. So it's a powerful, powerful weapon. And how many times have we heard stories about the desperation? Doctors, professional people, teachers were met with the, uh, the uh, uh, terrible choice between having a job that they thought could be dangerous. They didn't want to do it. They thought it was an infringement on their liberties. And if they didn't do it, they would lose their job and maybe, you know, be canceled where they can't work and, uh, and the people would suffer. So it was an economic weapon. And then you have that which is done more or less on purpose versus all the ramifications and the unintended consequences. So many more people suffer than, than they ever intend. Oh, we didn't really want to hurt everybody. We just wanted to punish those truckers who clogged up those highways. We didn't want to punish anybody else. Uh, and yet uh, all of a sudden the pain and suffering spreads. Yeah, it does. Well, I want to get to another article. Um, there's a lot of reading people can do. So we can put that next clip on. This is Michael Tracy, and we've, we've talked to him before. He's, ve he's very insightful uh, in his writing. He has a good piece that just came out yesterday. Why wouldn't the U.S. negotiate with Putin? 
I highly recommend him. He has a Substack, and you can find him there, Michael Tracy. Um, but he makes an important point. He, he says, on the one hand, um, the Biden administration never was willing to discuss the idea that maybe Ukraine can't come into NATO, even though everybody knew that they never would get NATO membership. They kept that on the table for what and for why. Why didn't they discuss it? And he also mentions that Putin in his speech before the attack said explicitly that NATO, the quote, the eastward expansion of NATO, which is moving its military infrastructure ever closer to the Russian border, that's what was motivating him to act. He said it explicitly. Um, and so why, he asks, did no one in the administration consider the possibility of giving some kind of small security guarantee saying, listen, we all know Ukraine's not going to get in. That door is closed. We knew it was closed. Why didn't they do it? And his, I'll, I'll leave you to read his conclusions if you want to read it. But he talks a lot about what I think is kind of a perfect storm. And this part isn't exactly from his article, but this is what I extrapolated from it. And that is you have four or five or how many years of Russiagate. Uh, and that has the left the left is was very upset to feel like it was debunked. Now, this confirms everything they believe. See, we told you it was right. We told you all this Russiagate conspiracy theory is absolutely right. This is their religion. And then on the right, you have a lot of the, well, it's just because Joe Biden is weak that this happened. We would have been tougher. You see that a lot with Republicans in Congress. So it's a perfect storm of left and right coming together and pushing this ahead. And that's why the sensible thing which was, you know what, let's talk about this. You might have some concerns. It's no skin off our teeth because we didn't want him in there anyway. That's what drove this. A massive, massive miscalculation mistake on the U.S. part. And you we don't get anything for it. Sorry. You know, the point you make is very, very important. And I wrote a note to myself about, the, about this subject. But it sort of, sort of reminds me about, uh, you know, what goes on in uh, the debate over COVID and its treatment that uh, you got canceled if you talked about natural immunity, this sort of thing. Yeah. And eventually, uh, you know, with persistence and common sense and obvious facts, minds were changed. But my statement regarding this subject was uh, not as optimistic uh, about it as I thought people have to wake up about natural immunity. That is so clear, clear cut. And my, my statement is, is that they're not going to soon change their mind. Yeah. They're going to they're going to they're going to possess uh, possess that and continue with this, and uh, and it's so important that uh, the NATO thing, the coup in 2014, yeah. uh, is so important to understanding this uh, that that uh, it, they have to understand that before they're going to come together. Yeah, you know, and the, Amer and the people have to realize this. But we have a long way to go. You know, the uh, evidence was so overwhelming about natural immunity, and uh, we haven't really totally won that. There's so, still some people out there a little bit confused on that. And unfortunately, they're in teaching positions. Yeah, but. But in this case, it's going to take a lot of work. But I would say that uh, uh, our little program here is a fertile field for finding out, <laughs> you know, the difference uh, between the two and to spread this message, because that's that's the message that that re really counts to to realize that uh, you know that they. Um, this this has been done to stir the pot up. It's going to continue to happen, and uh, that nobody can ever admit that uh, that this this pledge 
pledge is not too strong. No. I mean, this, this, uh, you, you know, since, since especially 1990, that it was very clear. And like yeah. you mentioned, people recognize it. It yeah. wasn't like a couple people in a closed room say, OK, what we're really going to do is we'll protect you. We will not move NATO up and surround you with NATO. Yeah. Now, they, they didn't say that. So I, I'm uh, unfortunately saying that. They will not change soon, change their mind, but that doesn't mean we should quit trying. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is almost Michael Tracy day on the show today. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I was reading a lot of the stuff and he's done good work. But one thing I want to point out, I'll just do a couple of last things, final things. But the first thing is, it's been said over and over, how could Russia do this? We never threatened Russia. NATO never threatened Russia. How dare they say this? The U.S. never threatened Russia. This is totally out of the blue. Well, we know that's not the case. We know it's not true. And uh, Michael Tracy dug up an old clip, and I only have a picture of it, but you can find it and play the clip. If we can put that next one on. Um, but it's very, very important because these are senior members of the United States Senate. It's a video from December 2016 in which John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and Amy Klobuchar tell a Ukrainian military unit that it's time to, quote, go on the offense against Russia. That's Lindsey Graham's voice, and you can listen to it yourself. He said, quote, it's time for them to pay a heavier price, declares Graham. This is what they wanted. They've been saying it over and over, pushing Ukraine to attack Russia, knowing what the consequences would be, and now we're seeing it. Again, this was said in a show I was on earlier today. The U.S. is using Ukraine as a cudgel to beat Russia, and that's not fair to the Ukrainian people. It's every bit as damaging as what the Russians are doing. Right. Now, the last thing I wanted to do, sorry, my, my final word, is because you started with a prediction, and I want to do a prediction. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think, I hope not, I don't think it's going to go to a nuclear war, but this to me is a huge red flag. And put this next one up if you can, the final clip, and this is also for Michael Tracy. We should, we should give, we'll have to give him a cut of our millions <laughs> that we get for doing the show. Uh, but the first is a tweet from the Air Force Command of the Ukrainian Armed Forces. The ghosts of Kiev will now become more. 70-plus planes for the Ukrainian military. And this is what's interesting. Here's what the, the Air Force of Ukraine says. Our partners pass us MiG-29s and Sukhoi-25. If necessary, they will be able to base on Polish airports from which Ukrainian pilots will perform combat tasks. And Tracy points out something that's very important on this statement. There's a disturbing lack of clarity about what this EU supply of fighter jets precisely entails. Ukraine fighter pilots will now base on Polish airports, meaning combat tasks will be launched from a NATO member state. Hello, anyone <laughs> seeing the glaring es escalatory danger here? That yeah. is dangerous. And that is, but you, you know, this is throwing a bone to the American people because the American people don't want troops over there. Yeah. It's very clear. So they know that has to be the political position, but there's ways of getting around it and it satisfies the bear. Well, why worry about it? We might not be able to find Ukraine on a map, but at least he's not going to send troops over there. And that's good that we're not going to have troops there. But they're sending out our dollars. Yeah. We're going to punish people. We're going to bankrupt people. We're going to inflate our currency. And we're going to participate in all the mischief uh, by doing this. So it's sort of just skirting it. But morally speaking and really legally speaking, we're very much in involved. You know, uh, I want to close by talking a little bit about what the founders advised, especially Washington, 
uh, on his farewell speeches about the entangling alliances, that we should avoid it. And, and I think that's what we're talking about here. Why are we so involved in entangling alliances, uh, which, uh, you know, it, it doesn't uh, re really devote themselves to protecting liberty. It's all a political power struggle and a money struggle. And uh, it, so the entangling alliances, uh, we've been in uh, United Nations, uh, uh, you, you, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and NATO and IMF and all these things, we, we've done this and it's not working out so well. Uh, but uh, NATO's still around, but I think that's going to end. I'm, I'm assuming that it's so dysfunctional that, that it will end. But I think instead of what's, what's going to happen is not just a renewal of, of NATO and the old alliances, the Warsaw Pact, and, and uh, uh, yeah, it's struggling to have the Warsaw Pact against NATO, but the, the players are still going to be there. But I think they're going to be different because I think the formation right now of opposition to the people who love the dollar standard and are considered in the, in the West, uh, it, it's going to be a coalition. It will be an alliance, but it'll be somewhat different. Uh, it's, it's going to be China, I, I believe they'll be involved as well as Iran, uh, Russia, and India. That's a lot of people and a lot of wealth and a lot of oil and a lot of wheat. So I think our activities and what we've been doing in our foreign policy is driving them together. Oh no, they say we're, we're stopping it. We're there to protect our liberties. Yeah, sure, we're doing it, but everything we do, like the, the best example right now to use is this whole oil. We want to we want to protect our oil and make sure the prices are low for the American people. And uh, a $100 barrel, uh, you know, for oil now, and a threat that it will go much higher and much worse because uh, it's backfiring on the American people. So all this intervention is bad. And I think the thing that we have to be very cautious about is as we weak our foreign policy weakens as our dollar weakens as these deficits grow and they explode and the attack on our civil liberties get much worse we better be very much aware of what these uh, several countries I just mentioned might be doing might be talking they're probably already talking right now about what we're going to do and they might make the assumption you know this is coming to an end I don't I, the Russians don't seem to be able to uh, conclude this little battle uh, very soon in the United States is, you know, uh, and their foreign policy is not doing so well. So there will be plans for an alternative and it's going to be an alliance. It's going to be entangled. But the one thing that we can talk about and promote in this country and through our political processes, avoid the entangling alliances. They're not good for liberty. And that would go a long way because it's an alliance that is set up for the benefit of the special interest groups, in particular, the military industrial complex. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.